0: everybody to episode 40 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. As always, I'd like to sincerely thank all the interviewees, listeners and the soccer public of the Illawarra slash Australia who download this podcast. Additionally, I would like to say thank you to the people who contribute, comment and reminisce on the social media pages. This episode's interviewee, John Bingham, was born in 1949 in Elkiston, in the United Kingdom and started playing football with friends in his street at the age of four. The spark that drove him to play football professionally was supporting and watching Nottingham Forest as a boy and seeing the best players in the world at the city ground. John Bingham played football at primary school and high school. In high school he was chosen in the local representative team and during one of these representative games A scout from Charlton Athletic saw John play and asked him to go down to London for a trial. Charlton Athletic then offered him an apprentice professional contract at the age of 15 and this is where his professional career started. In this first few years of his professional football career in England, John's talent gave him the opportunity to trial for the England youth team and after several trials, John, at 18 years of age, was selected for his country and played friendlies against Birmingham City, Sunderland and two internationals against France. Additionally, at this point in time, he moved to Manchester City, one of the biggest clubs in England at the time, and he was signed by one of Manchester City's greatest managers, Joe Mercer. After a surreal experience training amongst internationals and playing in the reserves team for two years, John moved on. John then played for Oldham Athletic, Mansfield Town, Chester and Stockport County. In 1973, Jim Kelly, who had played and coached in Australia with South Coast United, asked John if he wanted to sign a 15-month contract with Safeway United in Australia. John then came out to Australia in June 1973. John then played for Safeway United, Bowgownie, Wollongong City and Fairy Meadow. He then went on to be a successful player coach at Berkeley, Shell Harbour Workers and Wollongong Macedonia. At the end of 1986 John's personal life had changed which meant that John now had different life goals and coaching had dropped off his radar. And in 1987 John stayed in the game by playing with Rurilla Wanderers. He then went on to play with Ferry Meadow Italia, had a second coaching stint with Wollongong Macedonia and played with Coromel Rangers. John saw out his footballing days playing Church League down in Kiama as a striker. John was tremendous to interview, and I respect him for giving up his time and going through his footballing journey. I thoroughly enjoyed interviewing John, and I hope you enjoy listening to this episode. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs. Soccer City podcast. I'm here in the leafy surrounds of Bow and I'm here with my very special guest, John Bingham. John, welcome and thank you very much for, for being part of this podcast.
1: Thanks for the opportunity uh, to do this. Thanks a lot.
0: So you were born in 49 in the United Kingdom in Elkiston. Um, can you tell us a bit about um, where you were born and um the early years of you growing up and in the United Kingdom?
1: Yeah, the, the early days, uh, the school days was, um, was a mainly the Nottingham Forest days because I was a Nottingham Forest fan as a kid. So I yep. um, started playing football as a kid when I was about four, four years of age. Just amongst friends? Uh, just the kids in the street. Yep. And um, so we uh, we'd go to Forest and watch the home games. With my pocket money that I got, my sixpence <laughs> a, a, a week, whatever it was, uh, we would get on the bus and go to watch Forest play the home games, and that's where uh, that's where the spark came from for me to uh, to want to be a, a footballer.
0: And so, was that in the sort of mid to late fifties that you started going to the city ground to watch the Forest games?
1: It would have been then. Yeah, it would have been mid to end of the fifties. They 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 made the cup final fifty nine. Yep. So I was ten years old then at the time.
0: Yeah. And and. In terms of um, the crowds at the city ground at that time, we're talking tens of thousands, would you know, 10, 20, 30,000 the crowds would be?
1: Yeah, they'd fill it up pretty much every week 25, 30,
0: 30,000, yeah. And so from there, um, at that sort of younger age when you're watching Nottingham uh, Forest play, you were then inspired about playing football and, and potentially being out in that pitch?
1: That's right. Yep, that's where it all came from, watching the best players in the world play at the City Ground. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and was there a a, a favourite um, Forest player that that you sort of that caught your eye, or were you watching everything?
1: Yeah, well, um, Johnny Quigley was uh, the uh, little Scottish inside forward at the time, yep. and uh, I I played so I'm a left-footed player, so. Um, so I, I kept a, a close eye on Johnny Quigley, yep. and, and um, later on, later on in my career, I, I actually had the uh, the privilege of being coached by him at, uh, at Mansfield Town. So, um, yeah, that was something that was out of this world at the to time. Meet, you to know, meet to, a childhood hero is yeah, pretty special. It is, it is special. Yeah.
0: When um, you were playing out on the street. Um, you're watching Forest play um, when did um, football um, become organised when was you when did was it at school that you started then playing playing the game in an organised fashion
1: yeah we had a um, primary school team yep so that's when I started playing organised football uh, at uh, primary school yep so that sort of then when I went to high school that sort of developed we had a high school team high school team Yeah.
0: and was it a matter for you that you were naturally gifted, or did you continually work on your game outside of school, like playing with friends and whatnot out in the street, or did you find straight away that you know I'm not too bad at this? I can I can play the game a little bit.
1: Yeah, I wasn't coached. Yep. I wasn't coached. I just tried to copy what I saw so, at the City Ground, <laughs> like most kids. Even these days, don't yeah. they? You
0: know. When you were in, um, you know, high school. So we're talking what thirteen, fourteen. Um, you know, it's not too far after that sort of age that you became a professional, a professional apprentice at Charlton Athletic. Um, how did you? Um, how did it sort of translate into going from that sort of high school football to then? going for, I'm assuming, trials at Charlton Athletic?
1: Yeah, well, um, we had a rep team in the area. Okay. Yeah, so I got selected for the rep team. And um, fortunately for for the kids around our area, Charlton Athletic had a um, scout that actually um, was born in our area. Okay. So we were very fortunate that he... Kept an eye on what was going on in in our particular neck of the woods. Um, it's a long way from London, oh, definitely. <laughs> um, but uh, so he he would he would have come to um, a couple of the games, and um, and then I got a I got a call through the sports master at school, okay, um, to say that they'd give me an invitation to go and go down to London and try uh, Cheltenham,
0: and yeah. was that at the age of. Fourteen or fifteen, or um, that would have been roughly around that. Fifteen. Period. Yep. So um, you're at school. Yeah. The headmaster or sportsmaster says we've got someone on the phone for you. Um, yeah. You must have been excited to sort of once you sort of understood what was being said that this is exciting stuff.
1: Yeah. It was. It, it was one of those opportunities that you, you know that kids in England most of them never get Uh, but but there was already a boy from our school that was at Charlton Athletic from our area so he'd been scouted by the same person uh, which was Jock Bassford he he later became my manager at Mansfield and um, yeah so Peter Hawley his name was he was already down at Charlton there was another guy from our area too called Dennis Booth um Uh, he ended up playing a lot of games for whole city um, he was down at Cholton as well so they seemed with jock bassford being in the area they seemed to um, they seemed to like that area to pick out yep. one or two boys yeah
0: and I guess um, some of these scouting scouts that you know there was ninety two league clubs um, there 's a lot of scouting going on What would have been your i guess closest clubs that you're would have been Nottingham Forest that you would have, or Derby, uh, that that would have potentially been your closest clubs. Yeah. So, um, it didn't matter that it was Charlton, it was the opportunity to, to be a a professional apprentice. Exactly,
1: exactly, yeah.
0: And your parents were very supportive of this opportunity as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah.
0: So you had to then, uh, travel down, uh, by yourself or you went with your parents to, to London, um.
1: Yeah, I went down on the train. Yep. And um, they put me into uh, when I got down there. They put me into digs okay. uh, for a week. Yep. So uh, I had a week's trial down there at the Christmas time. That uh, that would have been
0: sixty-five. Uh, wow. yeah. yeah. And um, obviously, from what they saw, they then uh, offered you a, an apprentice professional contract.
1: Yeah, well, they uh, they um, they left it for a while okay. uh, after the trial because. Um, yeah, I went back to school in the January, and then I was due to leave school at Easter. Okay. And um, I did well in the trial. I scored a goal. I did well in the two trials. Um, hadn't heard anything. Um, there was no mobile phones <laughs> in those days. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I hadn't heard anything. So I was just I was just waiting and waiting, and then uh, you know finally, I, you know, six weeks, around about six weeks before I was due to leave. School. I got a call to say that uh, they were going to offer me a, uh, an apprenticeship.
0: Yeah. And we won't um, go into uh, immense detail here, but uh, you moved down into digs. Um, you had obviously a person from the area already playing there, like you said. Um, so I'm assuming that made it a bit easier. But but what is the life of a professional apprentice footballer? At, like you said, at the age of 15 and a and a little bit. Um, what do you do day in, day out in, in the mid-60s?
1: Yeah, you had a lot of time on your hands. <laughs> but, um, there was a lot of players at Charlton Athletic that li- that was living away from home. So, you know, yeah, we had a lot of mates in the digs. I think mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm trying to think how many... I think I had another three, three guys at yep. least living in the digs with me. So, um, you know, you had your mates, um... To uh, to around with,
0: and do you grow up uh, a lot quicker than say um, some of us that stay at home until they're seventeen, 18 or nineteen? are away from home. You have to you you you're working full time. So um, yeah. was that a difficult aspect, or did you just enjoy being part of a, a football club?
1: Yeah, you made it work because of the football. Yep. You know, I mean, it's a young age to be away from home. But um, when you're living your dream, then, uh, you know, uh, it's not so much of a, of a chore. You know, <laughs> to play football every day for a living is pretty good.
0: And, and is it straight away, um, because of your age, you win a, a youth team set up? And, um...
1: Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, and we had a pretty good youth system at uh, Charlton at the time. So, um, yeah, so I was playing in their youth team on the weekends.
0: And was that um, in say a, a Southern League, for example? You're just playing against clubs from that area, or
1: yeah, the London area.
0: So, uh, John, uh, what else do you do? You recall of that, that period there of, uh, I guess it was two and a bit years, um, where you're an apprentice professional at Charlton Athletic.
1: Yeah, well, the highlight of that uh, particular time was um, uh, the London Youth Cup. We actually. Um, we actually won the U- uh, London Youth Cup uh, while I was playing in the, the youth team there. Yeah. That was a big deal because um, we were playing Chelsea's, the Chelsea's, the Arsenal's, the Tottenham's, Queens so Rangers, all the all the clubs around the London area were competing. In the West Ham's, you know, so so we managed to beat Chelsea in the final, three yeah, one in the final. And where was that played? That out? was at the Valley. Yeah. So that was that was the biggest. Uh, the biggest achievement at the Valley, yeah, and the youth team there.
0: And how did you, um, because a lot of your time early on, from what I've seen on the internet anyway, and read on the internet, um, you're a, an attacking player, a left-sided winger, was that correct? And is that where you yeah. played in, in the Charlton youth team? Left winger. Yep. Yep. And did you, um, as part of uh, the setup, did you ever interact with uh, the first team? Or, or was that you trained separately, or you just go and watch them, or, or was there any interaction? Yeah, there was. Yep.
1: There was because um, the chart and training facilities weren't as they were as they are today. Um, so yeah, you did interact with the with the seniors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but look, as far as um, playing football against them was mainly in the car park to be honest with you that's <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the sort of situation it was down there it, you know there was none of these training grounds that they uh, they've got these days you
0: know. It was fairly uh fairly Pretty basic basic yep. yeah yeah and what um you're coming you're 17 and, and you're coming towards your 18th birthday um what brought about the move to uh manchester city
1: yeah, well, the reason I left Charlton was that uh, the manager at the time, Bob Stoker, got the sack about six weeks before my birthday. Yeah. So he'd already told me that he was going to offer me a, a professional contract there. But he got the sack. Um, things change. New manager comes in. Generally, when a new manager comes in, they like to get the broom out, you know. <laughs> um... But fortunately, by then, I'd, uh, I'd been on the England Youth Trials. Um, Bob Stokoe sent me to trial for the England yeah. Youth team, so I'd been on the England Youth Trials, so um, I was due to go and um, go to the next stage of the Youth Trials in the October. My birthday was 23rd of September, so... So, the 23rd of September came, because Eddie Fermani told me that there was no job there for me <laughs> at Charlton anymore. <laughs> so, I had to ring the FA up and say, uh, and said to them, um, I haven't got a club, uh, can I come, can I still come to the youth trials? trials. So, I went to the youth trials.
0: And it was at these trials that then you were seen by other clubs, and yeah. Manchester City then yeah. offered you uh, yeah. a contract?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was the youth trials that uh, a guy from Man City was there. Yep. And then uh, he went back to the club and recommended that they get me in for a trial. Yep. So as soon as the youth trials finished, um, I went to Manchester. And um, they put me straight into the reserve side at Sheffield United. (laughs) So on the Saturday afternoon. I played at Bramall Lane. (laughs) <laughs> uh, against Sheffield United in Man City's, uh, Man City's uh, reserves.
0: And so obviously you did well enough uh, in that game to then be offered a contract?
1: I must have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Because they had me in the next morning, Sunday morning, and they had me into the office Sunday morning. And Joe Mercer was yeah. the manager there. Joe Mercer Huge name. was in the office. He's the guy that spoke to me and um that's when they offered me a professional deal there
0: and so even at that age was it sort of um, nerve wracking uh, meeting someone like joe mercer or because you'd been in the professional system now for 2 to 3 years it was just uh, this is this is a job and this is what happens
1: yeah well when you've got joe mercer sat in front of you <laughs> like he was a legend at the time yeah. you know um You don't knock a contract back there when (laughs) Joey Mercer offers you a contract. So, So, uh, but I had a Blackburn Rovers were really keen to sign me actually at the time. So, uh, I think they might have got wind. uh, They might have got wind of that 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 if they didn't offer me something, Blackburn was going to going to offer me something. Yeah.
0: Or anything to to get ahead of a a Lancashire uh, rival. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, for you, um, what was the experience at Manchester City like?
1: Well, it was, it was an out-of-this-world experience. Really, it's 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 a dream, you know, because at the time they were the best team in England, you exactly. know. So, uh, you know, it was it was a bit surreal. It was a bit surreal in the end when you think about it.
0: Yeah,
1: at the time, you know, you you as soon as you settle in after a, a few weeks and you you've played a few games, you you settle in and you you one of the players, you know. But yeah. uh, when you look back at it, it's pretty surreal to, to be playing at Manchester City uh, with all these international players yeah
0: and and they were at um, main road uh, main road yeah. back then so um, it would have been some some big crowds at that point in time so um,
1: yeah they'd fill the place every time they played yeah
0: and what was it like uh, uh, being in um, such a football driven city like Manchester when you know um, you were professional. You're part of the biggest club in England at the time, and is it just a buzz to be out and about in the city as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that was the Georgie Best era. <laughs> I don't know if, if some of the listeners can remember. Well, Georgie Best yeah. became a legend, but that was the Georgie Best era when I was in Manchester. Yeah. So it was all popping. Everything was going off. Yeah.
0: You know. <laughs> and and were you? Um, treated differently um, as a footballer? um, Did people potentially know who you were um, in Manchester or or it was just... No, no,
1: no. no? I I hadn't made it to the first team. (laughs) Uh, And uh, there was enough stars around Manchester without (laughs) (laughs) anybody being too concerned about me.
0: (laughs) And what was um, for you... uh, um, the best part of, of your time at Manchester City?
1: It's playing with playing with top players. Yep. And that's if you're gonna improve your game, you've got to play with the best and against the best. So that was that was the that was the best time.
0: Yeah. And so you you then had to, like you said, train with them. So you've got to, you know, increase your I guess energy, you've got to improve Every every session, don't you?
1: You do, yeah. There's no days off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we did get days off. We, we we did still have a lot of free time, but, uh, but when you went to work, you went to work, you know.
0: And how did you um, personally deal with that pressure of uh, being at the number one club in England and knowing that even though you're in the reserves that, you know, I've got to perform nearly every training session to sort of stay at the club?
1: Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't uh, cope with it very well, to be honest. Yeah. I think um, I had an attitude problem. Okay. And um, I think that was, in the end, that was my downfall. Um, at the time. Yeah. Um, so didn't cope with it very well. Um, I didn't. Um, I really didn't have any mentors. Okay. I had nobody looking out for me. My dad wasn't really uh, interested in football too much. My dad was more of a musician. Okay. Uh, He had a musical career, so more
0: of an art art, artist. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, So you know, you're on your own basically uh, in a big in a big uh, ocean
0: and you're still very young as well you're yeah.
1: still a young man yeah so yeah so that was that was my achilles heel my attitude yep. and um, i've learned since that uh, ability's not ability's not enough the
0: mental ability's, side is...
1: ability's not enough And uh, because I played for, I managed to get, I managed to play for the England youth side. We were talking about the England youth trials, and um, so I went. I signed for Manchester City, and then um, the England youth process was still in place. I was still going. I got through to the next round of trials, so I started playing for the England youth uh, team against. uh, uh, Well, they organised friendlies against some of the. some of the other clubs, Birmingham City we played. I remember playing at St Andrews, so we played at Birmingham City. Then we had a we had a game against Sunderland at Roker Park. Yep. I scored I scored at Roker, Roker Park that night. Um, and then we had a tour we had two games coming up in in France in the January. That would, well that would have been January sixty seven, I think. January sixty seven. Yep. Um so I got chosen to, uh, I got chosen to go to, uh, to France and play for the England youth team.
0: And So you must have been uh, extremely proud of, um, like you said, it is a numbers game and, and we're talking minuscule amounts of people that get to the professional ranks, let alone to represent their country. So um, yeah. you must have been very proud and, and your family as well in, in making that youth team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well... What, what more can you do but play for your country you know like <laughs> you get to play for the best the best team in the land at the time and then you get to to play for your country at uh, 18 years of age so it doesn't really get much better than that
0: and, and when you did go to France and uh, uh, and pull on that jersey was it um, I guess we can talk about other things that you've done in your career and we will but was it one of the, you look back now on one of the highlights to to put your country's emblem on and and to represent your country out in the field?
1: Exactly. Exactly. When we were training, um, before we went to to France, when we were training um, in London, before we got on the plane, just just putting the England tracksuit on, you know, the England gear on, to train, it was just like, what is this? (laughs) 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 Yeah, so, I mean... Yeah, what more can you say? It was just, uh, it was just incredible.
0: So, at that point in time, um, you're part of the England youth setup. You're at, at the biggest club, or one of the biggest clubs in England. Um, uh, what happened at the once you came back and, and the rest of your time at, at Manchester City?
1: Yeah, well, I played in the reserve si- reserve yeah. side. Yeah, I, I think I notched up seventy um, odd games yeah. for Man City reserves in two seasons. Yeah so I mean it's pretty high standard um, those days because
0: people tend to forget they hear the word reserves but they don't understand that you're in division one yeah the number one league in the world and, and then the reserves is you know you've still got a sprinkling of aspirants right. like yourself and first team players that are either coming back from injury or not being selected
1: yeah exactly yeah exactly R- pretty high standard yeah pretty tough. Pretty tough league, yeah.
0: And so at at the end of those sort of two seasons or seventy games, um, was it a, a decision made on your part or the club's part that you then then moved to um, Oldham Athletic, um, or did you want first team time?
1: No, it was the club. Yep. It was the club um, that uh, decided to to move me on, um, but I had an attitude problem. And as I said before, you know, um, ability is not, not enough. Yeah. In a professional football game, you've got to have more than ability. And uh, so, that was my downfall. I think is, it was an attitude issue. And you know, when you when you're eighteen, twenty, twenty, I think I was yeah, eighteen, nineteen, twenty when yeah. I was at Man City. Um, if you haven't got a mentor, you can do and say things that you look back on, like everybody does. Yeah. And think, what the hell? What was yeah. I thinking? <laughs> what was I doing? <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so they moved me on, and I went to uh, to play for uh, Oldham. Uh, Jack Rowley. Um, yeah, apparently he was, a, he was a man United legend Jack Rowley, at one time he'd been at Man United for quite some time yeah. and uh, racked up quite a lot of games at man United but uh, unbeknownst to me at the time um, but uh, he'd, he'd been watching some of the reserve games at uh, at uh, main road and um, so he he knocked on the door and said, "Come and play it, uh, yeah, come and play at old
0: and were they in the Division three north at the time or, or were...
1: they were in uh, Division IV. four. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're in Division Four, and they just signed um, they just signed Ray Wilson, um, the World Cup left back. Yeah, they just signed Ray uh, at the same time that I, that I joined them. So um, um, yeah. So it was a privilege to be able to play just in front of Ray Wilson, <laughs> the World Cup left back at the time. You know.
0: So there would have been, I guess, some disappointment at being moved on, but were you still um. Still had that desire to, to be a footballer and, and prove yourself at Oldham Athletic?
1: Yeah, but I, I, think I, I think that left me with a chip on my shoulder. Okay. And, uh, and it, was, it was tough. Yep. It, it, was, it was tough. It's tough to go from there yep. to there. You know, when you're used to there, it's tough to go to there. And uh, I had to live in uh, digs in Oldham, yep. which is not easy.
0: Um, I've been to Oldham and, and no disrespect to that, they're my no disrespect—they're my, my—they're team in England, so you can feel sorry for me listeners, but they're in, I think, division the old division, they're in League 2 at the moment and struggling. But um, yeah. Well, let's put it this way, it's not Mallorca.
1: No, <laughs>
0: it's a very uh, quaint, um, outer suburb or borough of Manchester. The
1: weather's not that good. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So what else do you remember of your, your couple of years there at, at Oldham Athletic? Like you said, um, uh, playing behind, uh, uh, playing ahead of Ray Wilson um, and, and having Jack Rowley there um, were, were highlights, but was there any other um, aspects to, to playing with the laddicks that, that stick in the mind?
1: Well... This, this was the second time that it happened to me, but by, by Christmas time, Jack Rowley got the sack. So, I mean, anybody that follows British football um, knows the way it works. <laughs> and um, th- to my detriment, that was... Yeah. We had the Bob Stokoe incident at Charlton Athletic yeah. and uh, we, we had the Jack Rowley uh, situation at uh, Oldham Athletic. Yeah. So the guy that took me there and believed in me uh, got the sack. So you know, then you then you you pretty much starting all over again because you've got a guy that takes over that uh, didn't bring you to the club. And um, whether he believes in you or not, that's what you got to find out. You know, so um, so that was that was tough. Um, So anyway, I moved on at the end of that season. And that
0: was um, the next manager was Jimmy Frizzle. Who, uh, Jimmy Frizzle was who had a, over, yeah. had a lot of success and is held highly at Oldham Athletic yeah. but obviously like you said um, people or managers have their own ideas especially when they come in into a new club.
1: Yeah exactly.
0: And is, and is it true just um, out of personal interest that uh, Boundary Park is one of the coldest grounds to play at in England?
1: Yeah, I, w- I would say that uh, that would be close, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about Perth in Scotland, but uh, <laughs> I played up there once, but um yeah, it'd be pretty close.
0: <laughs> you then moved on to Mansfield town and um like you said earlier on, you reconnected with um someone that you'd you'd met at Charlton.
1: Yeah, the scout that took me yep. to uh that took me to Charlton. Um fortunately, he uh got a gig at Mansfield Town. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, um, I made the phone call. And uh, so Jock invited me in and um, said, yeah, come in, John, and um, we'll see what we can do. And um, he still believed in me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I got an offer to sign a couple of years contract at uh, Mansfield.
0: I guess if you compare it to these days, where even players in in lower divisions have managers, you know, you're like you said, you're making your own phone calls here. Um, you no get, agents those days. You're using your own network. Yeah. And um, like you said, um, you know, you're knocking down doors and making phone calls yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No agents. <laughs> no mobile phones. Uh, you had to. Uh, you had to do it.
0: So how was it there with the Stags? Um, how did you uh, find it, and in, w- in what division were they in?
1: Third division. Okay. Third division. It was great. It okay. was terrific. Yeah. So I, I was back living at home. Okay. So I didn't have to stay in digs. So, um, so my my time at Mansfield was was really good, really good. I really enjoyed it. And um, that's where I met uh, met up with uh, John Quigley, the uh, Forest uh, ex-forest player. He was the assistant coach there with with uh, Jock at the time. Well, um, so that was that was surreal again to uh, watch your
0: your childhood hero yeah. when you're younger, and then to be involved in a I guess a professional space. But it must have been great to just be around him
1: to be coached by him. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. It was just it was fantastic. He believed in me too he got the best out of me you know yeah. um yeah uh, so uh, we got on really well together and um yeah so my, my mansfield days were good
0: and and do you recall a a, a period there where um, you were playing at your best or there was a, a run of games or is there performances that stick out there at mansfield town
1: yeah well I suppose the FA Cup run that we had we a couple of games against Chester we had in the FA Cup uh, I scored a couple of goals there I scored yeah. the equalizer um, away and then we replayed we replayed them at home on the Monday night I think it was and um, and uh, I scored again and we we won 4-3 that was a good little that was a good little period um, in my time there um, and uh, and then um, we drew Liverpool in the League Cup. Okay. So we went to Anfield. Went to Anfield and um, our sub those days, you, know, you had you had eleven players and one sub. There was no three subs then <laughs> it was just one one sub. I was substitute that night. We went to uh, Liverpool. Uh, so you're crossing your fingers while the game's going on that somebody's going to get cleaned up you know but uh (laughs) but it didn't happen it didn't happen i did get on anfield for the warm-up you know um and there was a pretty big crowd in so um so i had a bit of a taste uh, of anfield that night um so that was that was a that was a bit of a highlight and um and then we went to Villa Park. Villa were in the third division those days. Yeah, they were. They were a massive club, but they yeah. were they were playing in the third division <laughs> in those days. And we went to Villa Park and played Villa at Villa Park, and I was in the team that night, and the place was full. It was 30,000 people at Villa Park. So that was that was a highlight um, at Mansfield, yeah.
0: And, and um, not many, um, like you said, it's a, a small percentage of people that get to uh, apply... Their trade as a professional, but to um, how is it for you as an opposition player to go and and uh, play against a big crowd? Because you know you're not just playing against your opponent and, and the team that you're playing against, but the the crowd, uh, the opposition, thirty thousand of them, can be a factor as well, can't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's funny when you get out there and the lights are shining. You know, it's uh, you you can you can block it out to a degree. Yeah. To, to be honest yeah you, you, you're sort of concentrating on what you've got to do and um, you know but uh, yeah to be out there is is a buzz yeah didn't happen often enough for me but, <laughs> but at least I got a bit of a taste, taste of, it, of it you know
0: so uh... Jock Basford was the manager there for a period of time and then did, was it Danny Williams that then took over yeah. at yeah. some point in time? Yeah, and that's it,
1: when things changed. <laughs> <laughs> My manager got the sack again.
0: <laughs> and were things going that bad that he deserved this, the sack in your mind?
1: Well, we got relegated. Okay. Yeah. You know? um, so, yeah, that's what happens. Yep. You know, so that that's uh, that was a third manager um, that uh, got the sack while I was playing for him.
0: So you? I you don't know
1: if it had anything to do with me or not, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know I was you know, I was enjoying my time there, and uh, you know when when uh, when Jock got the sack, it was a massive blow for me, massive, massive blow and uh, Danny Williams came in started juggling things around started getting the broom out and um, I went on loan to Chester for a few months till the end of the season yep. so because I'd done so well against Chester in it's the started. FA Cup um, they contacted the club they wanted to get me over there so, so I spent the rest of the season there. Um, at Chester yeah.
0: and is that a matter of uh, knowing that you're probably on the outer at Mansfield that you really got to work extra hard um to sort of, you're online to get a full-time contract at, at Chester?
1: Yeah, well, um, I think my attitude was a lot better by then, but it still yep. wasn't good enough, yep. you know. Um, but um, the end of the season came and then uh, Stockport County knocked on the door, you know, and York City, probably could have gone to York City yep. or, or Stockport.
0: So how, do you, how, do you, how did you weigh up? Um, you know whether you went to York or whether you went to Stockport. How, how did you weigh it up? Because you said there's no agents. You didn't have a mentor. No. You're still in your early twenties. Um, yeah. how, how did yeah. you weigh it up?
1: Yeah. Well, Stockport's close to Manchester, yes,
0: yeah.
1: so I was conversant with Manchester. Yeah. So, um, so when I went back to Stockport, it was pretty close to where I used to live when I was with the uh, city at the yep. time. So um, that was probably the reason I, I chose uh, Stockport. They play, and also they played uh, those days, they started playing Friday night games. Their uh, their home games was uh, was organized for a Friday night, yep. which gave you the weekend free, yep. which was good, yep. if you could get it. <laughs> so yeah, so those couple of things, I suppose, uh, attracted me, uh, and, and Friday night games it's good because you've still got all the scouts, all the people around the Manchester area. Having you know you. They don't do much on a Friday night generally because they can't go out. You can't <laughs> go out on the turps too much on a Friday night, <laughs> so you, you used to get people watching the games too.
0: What about um, before we talk more about Stockport? Um, there, even at Oldham and Mansfield, um, unlike uh, say the A League, um, the English season is. Um, long. It can be, depending on how many teams in your division, 40 to 46 games. Um, how were the rigours of, of playing a, a full season? How did, how did you find it?
1: Yeah, well, you're playing on heavy grounds too. Mm. Not the, the, grounds in those grounds days, the grounds in those days are not the same anymore, you know. Uh, so you're playing on heavy grounds, you know. You've got six studs on the end of the boots and they used to dig in you know, quite a bit too. So, so the grounds were heavy. Yeah. Um, a lot of them had a lot of sand on them too some of the time you'd play uh, on, uh, on grounds that uh, that weren't conducive to good football so and, and you had to train in the rain too you know so that was that was miserable you know some days you didn't want to go out there did you you know <laughs> like <laughs> throwing down with rain freezing cold you know so they want you out there and you've got to motivate yourself to get out there and uh, and uh, do your thing.
0: And and when we um, when you've spoken here today about your attitude, um, maybe you're too humble of a person or a man to, to say so, but your attitude still must have been very good. Like you said, you're, you're training when you don't want to train, you're playing on heavy grounds, it's a heavy workload, so you still had enough discipline and motivation to, to do what you did. So are we just talking sort of slight... Percentages, or, or part of a percentage that you needed to improve on, when you're talking about your attitude.
1: Yeah, when you when you're young, um, when you're young and you've got nobody helping you mentally. Um, that's difficult. That's difficult. And when you're in that environment, when you're in a professional football environment in the UK, you know you're not going to get into a much more of a dog eat dog. Mm. Business than professional football in the u k it's it 's ruthless uh, and it 's a matter a lot of it like i said to you it 's not so much ability mm. it's it 's uh, who you know yep. your contacts, who believes in you you know who 's going to give you an opportunity i suppose it 's the same today in a, in, yeah. in, in a sense you know but but um yeah. It's all got to come into place. To, to keep a job there, it's all got to, it's all got to fit in into There's place. There's many, many components. Because you've got a lot of people wanting to play professional football in England. You've got a lot of kids there and you've got a lot of players there that's been around for a long time. And uh, everybody's after a contract. Everybody's looking for a contract to play professional football.
0: And, you, and you're not exaggerating when you say it's ruthless. When you're out in the training paddock and during the week, people are really... Buying for spots, aren't they? Yeah, you know it's not uh, high fives and yeah. and slaps on the ass. It, it's really hard work, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Your attitude at training has got to be good. Mine wasn't so good, yeah. you know. So um, yeah, so it all revolves around lots of different little things. So um, so the stockport the stockport um, season was. Was pretty good in yep. a sense, be, but I, I started there badly because I'd, I'd done a cartilage in the summer. I did my own training through the summer,
0: yep.
1: did a cartilage. i had to have an operation actually, um, so I had to go to Mansfield Hospital and have my cartilage out uh, before I before I actually started pre-season training with Stockport. <laughs> so that that set me back a couple of months. Yeah. I didn't. I don't think I started playing in the Stockport first team. Uh, after the injury, until the October, okay, and we started in August.
0: That's right.
1: So that slowed me down a bit, yeah. Um, and um, but we had a good cup run. We had a good cup run that year. We played Norwich City. They were they were first division team at the time. Yep. We played them. We got hammered, but we 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 actually uh, played them at uh, at our place. And uh, is that got, the county the,
0: ground? Is it? Or? Yeah. Yep. Yeah,
1: the county ground. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we had, we had a decent uh, FA Cup run that year. But uh, but apart from that, it was, uh, I suppose, looking back, it was a um, pretty average year for me. Yep. Pretty mundane in that sense.
0: And is that when, um, you know, you had a couple of seasons there? I um, had one season there. One season? Yeah. And so what, um, you know, the next bit on your timeline is, you, you know, you're... You're coming out to Australia, or, or you can tell me if it was any yeah, different. But, yeah. but how, did, how did how did that come about?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that came about just with a phone call in the summer. Uh, we'd finished uh, we finished the season at Stockport. I was looking for a club, yep. and um, I got a call from uh, from Jimmy Kelly that had done some work over here. Yeah. He was an old Blackpool player. Yeah. He, he played in uh, the first
0: division there. and there. There. Huge team of
1: the 50s. Yeah, he was doing some work for. He was doing work, some work for the Safeway team yep. over this way, South Coast, whatever former, you want. Yeah, former South Coast Case. team. So anyway, no. yeah, I got a phone call and uh, he put the he put the um, proposition to me whether I'd be uh, whether I'd be interested in um, coming over.
0: So how did did he see you at a Stockport game? Yeah, or?
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he because uh, we played Friday nights. You know, yeah. he, he must have seen me somewhere along the line, uh, yeah. unless he'd spoken to somebody that recommended me. Yeah. Uh, didn't go into detail when I spoke to him about that. But anyway, um, yeah. So he he put the proposition to me to to maybe think about coming over here, and um, it was only a fifteen month. He was only offering me a fifteen month deal. Okay. And I didn't know anything about Australia. You know, really, I didn't know much about it, but I knew that uh, they were going to pay me as much as I was getting at Stockport. Okay, you know? so it was so, pretty good
0: money in that sense.
1: Well, yeah, in yeah. in that sense, yeah. I mean, I was getting professional money um, playing over here, and they said that uh, you know you'd probably be uh, you'd probably be able to work for the, for the company that sponsored the sponsored the team, the you car know? yard, yeah, do a bit do a bit. Uh, bit of nothing while you're playing <laughs> there you know so uh, yeah so I had a girlfriend at the time yep. um we'd been going out for about two years and so I had to speak to to her see what she thought and she, yeah she went along with it so we decided 15 months you know we'll go and have a look
0: good little work holiday.
1: see what uh, see what it's like over there yeah
0: and um you get over over here in what seventy three seventy four or seventy three? Yeah, June. Yep. And and um, what were your first thoughts of uh, of Wollongong then?
1: It was pouring with rain when I got here, so it must have probably rained for a week when we when we got here. So um, so uh, I suppose. Um, yeah, we saw the beaches. We stopped yeah. at the top of Bull Eye Pass, and we saw the coastline and stuff <laughs> like that. But we, we really didn't get uh, we really didn't get a true uh, reflection of the the area until we'd settled in a little bit more and the sun came out. You know, <laughs> while it was still raining, it still felt like Manchester.
0: <laughs> and um, the Wununa Sports Ground or, or Balls Paddock, um, that's where Safeway were uh, playing their home games and, yeah. and training. Um, what were your first thoughts of? Because um, I, I believe you. Was the coach at the time uh, Peter Wilson? Yeah. Um, what were your thoughts of, of Peter and and the ground and your teammates?
1: Well, the ground. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what can you say? It's like two goalposts with a fence around it. You know, <laughs> like so you don't have to say any more uh, yeah. um, to what I was used to. Yeah, definitely. Know? So yeah, but you got to make the best of it.
0: And um, and and Peter Wilson. Um, who, up until this point in time, had been uh, putting together a, a, a very good uh, playing career as well. Um, how was he as a as a person and and as a coach? Because he was playing as well.
1: He was a player coach. Yep. Yeah. He had a good team. Yeah, they had a good team. Compared with um, uh, compared with the teams that we were playing against, it was only a Sydney comp at the time. There was no yeah. there was no national competition. It, it was just it was like the present day. Um, Sydney Premier League as they or Victorian yep. Premier League whatever you want to call them these days it was the same st- situation there you were playing probably in the best league in, in Australia yep. but you were only playing you were playing against Sydney, Sydney teams, teams. Yeah. Okay. Um, so but um, good side uh, good side compared to uh, the others we were playing against because we had about three or four internationals, yeah. Australian internationals in the team So had
0: yeah, Adrian Alston
1: yeah Max Tolson.
0: I think uh, even Drew Dunlop had, had done some state representation even.
1: Right, yeah. So, so we had a decent team, yeah.
0: And what did you think of um, uh, the standard of football, you know, coming from um, the professional leagues of England? Um, what did you think of, of that league, the, the Federation League?
1: Well, it didn't compare. Yep. Yeah.
0: So you were fairly comfortable with... Holding your own, I guess, oh, yeah. and, and uh, contributing yeah. in a in a
1: good way. Oh yeah, I I, I don't think I've ever lost any self confidence yep. in my ability, you know. But um, yeah, it doesn't really compare. You, you, you're playing over in the UK, you're full time. You're playing you're playing for your livelihood, you know. Whereas <laughs> here it's part time. Part time. It's part time, and you're playing. You, uh, I won't say you're not playing for fun, but you, know. you, you know, you're taking the job seriously and you want to win. But uh, you know, it's not life and death. You know.
0: <laughs> and what did you think about um, the area itself? Um, I guess you're not training as much. Um, you're part time, so did you sort of enjoy the lifestyle, even though it's the middle of winter and you don't yeah. get the full sort of. Uh, I guess the best bits of the Illawarra, but um, you were living locally. Were you enjoying that with your girlfriend?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we got married. We got married when we got
0: here.
1: So we lived, uh, firstly we lived in Coromel, then Taraji, and then uh, we got an apartment in North Gong, near the beach up there. Uh, So it was nice, a nice outlook of Mount Kira. So yeah, um, the lifestyle was terrific. That's why I'm still here, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's why I'm still here because, uh, you know, once the sun came out uh, and you started enjoying the outdoor life, you know, um, then um, there wasn't any comparison to what I was used to.
0: And did, uh, after your 15-month contract uh, had ended, or even before that, were you contemplating, well, if I can still be here playing part-time and and maybe get a job outside, I'm going to stay for as long as possible?
1: I think we decided by the end of the term that uh, we were going to stay. Yep. Yeah. It's just the lifestyle was too good.
0: Yep.
1: So, you know, um, and my wife had a job. Yep. We were earning pretty much three incomes at the time. So that was pretty good.
0: Very good. So Safeway at that point in time, um, 73, 74, um, were uh, I guess you know, high up a lot of players but um, in 75 um, uh, things for whatever reasons I'm not too sure um, Safeway were having troubles and, and Gowney, the other um, federation or state league team in the area was struggling as well and, and they uh, became a merged, merged club um, and under the name of Gowney and, and you uh, came across uh, under player coach Herbie Williams Yep. So um, uh, what do you remember of, of Herbie?
1: Yeah, well he's an ex-English uh, man too, Welsh yep. Welshman actually, But uh, so he had some experience over in the UK, but um, it, was, yeah, it was I think one, one or two seasons he had us I think, because yep. uh, we changed the name then to Wollongong, Wollongong City Wollongong the, 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 in
0: 76, yeah. so it's pretty
1: much, it was pretty much the same situation except the name had changed. <laughs> So there was, no, there was really no change in, in the football.
0: Yep. And what about um, some other players there at the time, um, you know, players like Phil O'Connor?
1: Um. Yeah, well, Phil came from England, but I don't know too much about his background. Yeah. But he made the Australian team, yeah. so he was doing all right. He was doing well until his tragic accident. Mm. But, um, but uh, yeah, he was one of the better ones that uh, came.
0: And so were you, um, I guess, still at that point in time, you're sort of integrating yourself into a, a Australian life, you're here full-time now, um, were you still sort of, I guess, have that passion for, for football?
1: Yeah, well, um, what I didn't mention in the early days, when I was in England, I'm, I i I had an interest in coaching so I, I went and uh, when I was 21 in the UK I went and got my um, preliminary uh, FA coaching badge yep. so I was qualified I was a qualified coach at the time um, When you came out here yeah uh, in that sense um, I think those qualifications that I had was pretty pretty good compared with what was available what was here? here yeah because um, I had to go to the FA to get mine yep uh, we had to go to uh, to Lillishaw to uh, get qualified, so um, you, you had to be half decent to, to get your badge. Uh, so I'd already got my badge, um, but I didn't have my senior badge. So the, yep. my next, uh, I suppose, my next um, goal was to get my senior badge. So that's, that's what I started working towards coaching here as well.
0: So that was, like you said, when you're over in England um, in those last couple of years, that in your mind you you had a, I guess, a passion or a wanting to try to coach. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you come to, I guess, you, you had a, a season there with Bowgownie and then Wollongong City which and Safeway, which were roughly the same club. Um, you then come to 77 and you started off at Wollongong City, but um, uh, partway through in April, you then uh, moved to Ferry Meadow. Um, what brought about that, that move from... Uh, I guess the state league um, down to the local league.
1: So things changed as far as the club was concerned, and then um, and then uh, I made a decision to go and play at uh, at uh, Ferry Meadow with Phil Carr.
0: So, how did you? Um, you know, Ferry Meadow um, had a, an interesting um, life as a club. You know, from the late '60s, playing in the church league, and then went into state league, um, but. We're a very uh, strong team in '77 in the local Illawarra Premier League. So, um, for you, um, like you said, you're on the outer there at Wollongong City. Um, it was just another opportunity to, to start again. Or were you in in your mind just finishing the '77 season off and then going? well, I want to coach after this.
1: Yeah, um, I always wanted to coach, um, and I enjoy my I enjoy my time at Fairy Meadow as a player. Yep. Um,
0: so you still had a lot to offer as a player as well?
1: Yeah, I had a good season.
0: Yep.
1: I think I got the player of the year. Yeah, yeah. yeah So I had a good season. Um, but yeah, player, player coaching was always in the back of my mind. And, um, and then the following year, um, Berkeley um, offered me the, the player coach's job there. Uh, and they had a good team at the time.
0: Yeah, some um, some for, big names in for terms. the local,
1: you know, for the local uh, standard.
0: Anyway. Yeah. Well, Barry Stewart, um, Ron Bishgat, uh, Gary Singleton. There's some some big names there that that you were playing with and, and a very strong team. So, so how did you uh, find it? Um, obviously, you'd got, you got now your opportunity to coach. Um, was it was it exciting for you to then coach?
1: Yeah yeah it was because you can you can do your own thing you can you can do whatever you want to do you're in control yeah you know from the managers getting sacked you know <laughs> left right and center wherever you know and things changing and you know you've got a resemblance of some some sort of control on on what you're doing you know and, uh, and you pick the team too which is good because <laughs> you get in the team as well you know you don't get <laughs> dropped
0: <laughs> and at this time were you um Still playing in an attacking position, or you, you moved yourself into midfield, or or a defensive position with Berkeley? I
1: was playing midfield. Yep. I was playing sort of left left wing, yep. left side midfield. Yeah. So um, we played uh, we played pretty much a four three three sort of a system yep. there, and um, yeah, I played left side midfield.
0: And and you were successful in that year in making the grand final against Tarawana, but you think that year with, under Phil Carr with Ferry Meadow as a player helped you just understand the league a bit see the other teams, did that help you in 78 when you were with Yeah me? I think it
1: did yeah I think you did get in a get grasp of what uh, what the lie of the land was yeah yeah.
0: and um, like I said uh, fairly successful there at, at Berkeley and, and you coached player a coach there in 79 um, um, so I guess the the difference there, and, and hopefully you can speak a bit more about it. That um, in '79, um, Casey De Bruin, um, the district uh, selected an Illawarra squad, which you were selected as part of, along with four of your teammates in Jimmy Wright, Barry Stewart, and Ian Mowbray. Yeah. Um, you you went to New Zealand in '79 uh, to play a few games um, against representative teams. So um, I don't think it's happened since. So. It must have been a, a bit of a highlight as well.
1: Yeah, it was a highlight. I think it was. Um, I think it was a highlight for Illawarra soccer at the yeah. time. You know, everybody was talking it up and uh, and uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, so there was a bit of a build up to it, and uh, you know, obviously, all the local lads wanted to be in the team. You know, yeah. like we were getting a trip to New Zealand, <laughs> and uh, I don't think we had to pay for anything at the time, so it was it was pretty good pretty good gig. So so. Casey was the coach, Casey De was the coach, so he put the squad together.
0: And how did you um, uh, find that experience in terms of A, being under Casey, and then um, the bikes in the last two or three seasons that you were uh, uh, playing against and now your teammates with them, how did you find that experience?
1: Yeah, no problems. Yeah, yeah no problems at all. We had, we had a good tour. I think we played... Um, Three games. I don't think yeah. we got beat. Uh, we won three, or won two and drawn one. I'd, you'd have to look back in the records on that one, but um, uh, we were unbeaten, and uh, it was it was a good tour. We, we, we had a successful tour over there. So um, yeah, playing with the well, I knew I knew all the all the all the players. You know, even though they were playing for other clubs, but you, you get to know you get to know them, and um, we had a good we had a good tour here.
0: Yeah. And what about, uh, even though it was only three games and it's only sort of, you get minimal time, but, um, you know, how did you find Casey um, De Bruyne as a coach and as a bike?
1: Yeah, well, Casey's gone on to be a top professional coach. Uh, you know, he, he um, that was his life. He, a uh, yep. dedicated man, and um, I have done I did some coaching courses with him. Um, later on in the piece, we went to the Institute of Sport to do... Yep. Uh, to do a management course there, and I was with Casey uh, for a week or two there. So, um, yeah, Casey was a um, professional-looking coach. Yeah? Yeah.
0: And for yourself, um, at the time you played a coach at Berkeley, and and was this tour within the season, or was it outside the season?
1: I think it was... um, the end I think, no August I think have a look in the records, it might have been July, August in that year
0: So you missed a few games at Berkeley and Uh, then came um, back?
1: Yeah so I can't remember whether they suspended the the comp or whether it was right at the end of the comp, Uh, yeah but I think it was about August when we went over there
0: So uh, at the end of 79 you you finished your time at at Berkeley there and and then uh, moved on to Wollongong United um, back in the State League and, um, but you weren't coaching then, you went back to just playing um, yeah. under Mike Johnson. Yeah. Um, that sort of freedom and, and ability to pick your players and whatnot, what changed that you went back to just playing? Um,
1: well, it was, a, it was a better standard.
0: Yep.
1: It was a better standard and, and um, I got to know a little bit more about Mike Johnson and he, um, he came across as a more professional sort of a, a guy. Yep the outlook that he had on the game and um, he tried to do things in a more professional way and it freed me up again to just to play yep. uh, from my experience at Berkeley so yeah I wasn't I wasn't picking the team but I was captain of the team and yep. you know I don't think there was too too much of a problem there as far as uh, as far as uh, getting the game was concerned but um,
0: did Mike use you as a bit of a sounding board at times and you a few bits and pieces with your experience uh, not really yeah.
1: he, he had um, he had um, certain ways that he wanted to do things and he, he would stick to that and um, you know he was a little bit left field sometimes one or two of the things he came up with but um, but he got results that year we, we had a, we had a pretty good year that year um, and we had a pretty good team so um yeah, so it ended up being an enjoyable year for me. Yeah, I look back on that year as an enjoyable one.
0: And what about the, uh, the Macedonian community? Because you then went back um, later on, which we'll talk about. But, um, you know, I guess that's a, a different thing that Australia has in terms of its uh, football is uh, different, different ethnicities and, and different clubs that are from different places in the world. Uh, how did you find yeah. the, the Macedonian club?
1: I found them okay they're fine yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. they they've got their own culture and their own way of doing things but uh yeah i mean they they're easy to get along with yeah and uh i didn't uh, seem to uh, come across too many issues there you know and it's 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 like um it's like any club you go to they want to win you know like yep. uh everybody wants to win uh, and if you can uh, if you can help them win then you know you, you generally get looked after, you know. So uh, it was it was good. Yeah, we had a good year there.
0: So what happened then? Um, at the end of that year, you you went back to the local Illawarra Premier League, um, being a player coach for Shell Harbour. So what happened in your mind at the end of that season? You had an enjoyable season, but was the desire to coach really burning away at you, or, or what had changed?
1: Nothing really had changed. You know, um, I was living at Mount Warrigal at the time. I bought my first house uh, in 1977, which was down at Mount Warrigal. Yep. So it was, uh, it was local next door. Uh, they offered me a good deal yep. to go there. They were getting backed by the um, shellover workers, workers' club, club. at yep. the time. So um, yeah, so they offered me a good deal to take the job on, so um, yeah, I thought, uh, thought it would fit in well with where I was at the time.
0: And was that Otto Bader that um, that offered you the gig there?
1: Yeah, he was one of the committee men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'd uh, I'd, uh, I'd completed my coaching course. I think by then, um, I think I had my um, I think I had my senior um, senior badge. I'd uh, gone through a few coaching courses and um, and achieved my my senior qualification. So uh, again, it was uh, it was another opportunity to do my my own thing as far as the coaching was concerned you know so um, yeah that's probably the reason why I went back to Shell Harbour at the time
0: and it was um, I guess a successful season Um, you know you won the league um, you made the grand final Um, you know there was some quality players that um, played really well for you in terms of you know uh, Kevin O'Donnell Ron Vanderbord um, Phil Cook, um, you know you played yourself, Gary Singleton. So, um, what do you remember of some of those players and, and your time there at, at Shell Harbour?
1: Yeah, well, um, yeah, I made good friends of a couple of those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, Phil Cook is still a, a really close friend of mine, actually. Yep. Yeah, Phil. Um, and um, Gary Singleton, he um, he came with me to. Macedonia. When yep. I moved on to do the Macedonian job after that, so um, Gary was my assistant at uh, Macedonia for a few seasons, taking the reserve side there. So I kept uh, I kept uh, uh, close to one or two of them. Uh, and what was
0: your? Um, you know, you had uh, three seasons there as player coach. What was your your style? Like you said at, at Berkeley, you played a uh, four-three-three. Did you continue on with that sort of pretty formation? Much. Yeah, pretty much. And was yeah. your sort of you like to uh, play attractive football, or was it more direct, or, or what was what was your style?
1: Well, the style was um, uh, there was no playing out from the back those days. Yep. You know, it was uh, you know try and win the second ball, and then you start playing from from the middle of the field. Yep. You know, so that's that was it. The, the, you know, there was no set sort of style that you would call. You, you put a formation out um, in regard to the sort of players that you had at the club, the, the, where, where their strengths were. So, you know, Ronnie Vanderboard was a, a left winger. He was a flyer. You know, he, yeah. he was fast. You know, so, so he was on the left side. You know, and um, we had Barney King, I think, uh, through the middle. Uh, yeah. He was good with his head. You know, and um, we had a good goalkeeper, um, Jeff Robinson. Yeah, was he? we had a good keeper. You know, so. He, you got a bit of a spine there going through. I played the midfield with a couple of guys. I think Ian Bradburn was one of them at the time. Uh, played with us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. You know, you'd you'd uh, you take your goal kicks and you, you'd uh, you'd set yourself up for the second ball, <laughs> and that's where you'd start from. And then you'd start. Then you'd start playing from from the middle of the field.
0: And w- what about? Um... Yourself there. You spent three seasons there. Um, you clearly enjoyed the club. Um, was it just that, it, like you said, it suited your lifestyle at the time where you were living and whatnot? Um, because you finished there at the end of that um, eighty-three season and and went to Wollongong, Macedonia. So was it again that you were ready for a, personally for another challenge as, as a coach and and going into coaching in state league?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, my ambition at the time was to be a professional soccer coach. Yep. From being a professional soccer player, at the time, my goals was to be a professional soccer coach. So that was when I got the uh, offer at Macedonia to to, to be a player coach there in the state comp. In 84, yeah. You know, which was... Yeah, which was, um, I suppose it was one down from the NSL at the time, wasn't it? It was the next best. I think it was the next best to the NSL. I think Wangong City was going, was going at the time in the NSL. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Um, yeah, we were in the we were in the state second division then when I took that job on because they were they were very ambitious to get into the first division at the time, Macedonia. So, um, so they they offered me a good uh, a good deal to go there.
0: And uh, during that 84 season, um, like you said, uh, you had a good team and, and it was pretty much um, yourself and Ferry Meadow that were sort of vying for that for that top spot. Yeah. And, and uh, from memory, I think um, talking to um, uh, the Ferry Meadow keeper at the time, John Krennic, um it came down to the last game of the season. Was yeah, that correct? it did, yeah. yeah.
1: At, at Police Boys Club? We got done, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think it was a, a sort of deflected goal as well from what he uh, saw at the other end.
1: Yeah, it was a tight one. But we got done and they pipped us. And uh, so, yeah, that was that was the way. I think Mike Johnson was the coach at Ferry Meadow at the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was good to have the two teams uh, competing like that at the time, actually. Yeah, it was a challenge, but uh, they, they, they did us that, that particular year, yeah.
0: And what were you learning as a coach in terms of you know, you'd you'd obviously coach for for a few seasons in the local Premier League, but you know, um, now having the chance to, to coach yourself in State League, um, how did you find that?
1: It was a challenge because there were some decent coaches around at the time yeah. in the in the Sydney uh, in the Sydney uh, at, the, at the time as uh, I went back to Macedonia. So um, it was uh, it was a challenge to compete against. Uh, the better coaches and the and the better players again, you know. So, uh, um, yeah. But I, I was um, I was still very interested in um, learning about coaching. Yep. Even at that time, I used to watch um, I used to watch the Italian league at the time. Serie A was uh, uh, the best
0: best league at that point in that,
1: time. That uh, uh, and I put I put a little bit of what I learnt from watching the Italian. Defensive side of things, yep. in particular, um, into the Macedonian setup. So uh, yeah, So that, you were, that really helped. Yeah. You were
0: very um, um, successful uh, in '84, but but in '85, um, you know your your defence um, from the newspaper articles that I read, um, and it, it probably was more so that '85 and '86 season. That was the the cornerstone of the the john John bingham coach teams wasn't it that your defense was very, very sound very good, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, very good, yeah, we were really hard to break down, really hard to break down, and um you know, I think even today you know if you can um if you can keep a clean sheet, it makes your job twice as easy to win yep. the game, um, so everybody knows if you go one nil down, you've got to score two to win, so if you're nil or you've only got to score one oh. to win, so it, Simple it's a bit easier, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so it's not rocket science.
0: And in that time there at um, Wollongong Macedonia, and not that you know, I want to go through a sort of catalogue or profile every player that you coach, but were there some players that you really enjoyed coaching, and, and why did you enjoy coaching them?
1: Well, I think the main thing about the Macedonian. Uh, Time I had there was um, we um, we were a, a team. Uh, we weren't we weren't a bunch of individuals there. Yeah. You know, I, I managed to get us playing as a, as a team. Yeah. I mean, to to have uh, when you I think we went for eight eight games without conceding a goal. Um, we had a run. I think we only conceded twelve goals that season in '85. So. When you've got that sort of a defensive record, you know you've got to play as a team. You've got to yep. be playing as a team to be able to achieve that. And I think that was uh, that was my main um, success story at, uh, at Macedonia. Yeah.
0: And do you think um, your time as coach, and even before with with Harbour and, and and Berkeley, do you think um, you as a professional footballer you never had that mentor? Did you try and? Um Give a bit of extra sort of feedback or encouragement to to younger players that you might not have received.
1: I did because um, I used to um, I used to work. Um, I don't know whether I was the only coach in Illawarra doing it, but I used to um, I used to go down there early before training and yeah. spend half an hour with the goalkeeper. So yeah. I I was really um, a stickler for having a good goalkeeper
0: yep.
1: in my team. Hence some of the clean sheets, I suppose. <laughs> but um, but I put a lot of work into it. It did, didn't happen by, by accident um, because I used to spend the time before training with, with the goalkeeper that we had and, um, and we worked on the things that we had to work on before the rest of the guys showed up because I, I wasn't one of these coaches where the goalkeeper was just one of the other players, players. that played five-a-side and all this sort of stuff and yeah. ran, ran around the track. He d- he doesn't have to run around the track, you know. He doesn't have to play five-a-side. He's a goalkeeper, yeah. you know.
0: Specialised position.
1: So I'd, I'd had previous experience in England with, with doing that with goalkeepers uh, over there. So, um, uh, yeah, so I would work on specific things. Ronnie van der voord c- comes to mind that I worked on at uh, Shell Harbour. Yep. Yeah. I worked on Ronnie and a few of the few other things there with him uh, on that left wing uh, as the next left winger. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, in answer to your question, uh, I would probably um, work on a few little things with, with guys that uh, I thought was going to be beneficial.
0: And did you see that um, with the likes of, uh, I guess, Jeff Robinson and, and Danny Bizemowski Bys- that because of that extra training, I guess for the younger listeners that are not aware that it wasn't in the 70s and 80s, there wasn't goalkeeper coaches per se, no. or maybe, maybe at the NSL level, but um, not at the State League level. So did you see that improvement in, in your keepers?
1: Yeah, the keepers were, have always been a, a neglected a lot, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, and, yeah, I don't think coaches have ever... That I've come across when I was—I mean, we're going back a, a, a while here because yeah, yeah. it's a long time since I was in the game and was coaching. But in those days, I don't think there was a lot of time put into goalkeepers, uh, and uh, I saw the benefits in in doing that
0: yeah.
1: and uh, and uh, bringing out the best in 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 people, especially in that particular key position. Because uh, all I used to do uh, was see goalkeepers playing five sides and doing stupid things like that, you know. So they'd just run, Running around the track.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you finished your time there at uh, Wollongong Macedonia at the end of 86. Um, um, was that a, just a club decision or, or was that your decision?
1: Yeah, um, it was a bit of both um, because um, at the end of 86, um, my family life had fallen apart yep. and um, I was a bit of a uh, bit of a low ebb um, uh, got divorced in November November 86 okay. the, the divorce came through which was massive huge a huge turnaround in my life which made a massive difference in everything so I um I called on the person that that could help me get through it and his name was Jesus Christ and um, he helped me become a Christian so things changed things changed after that year everything changed so um, from the beginning of 87 um, my outlook was Completely different because of uh, because of what becoming a, because of becoming a Christian. Yeah, yeah.
0: And um, obviously, you needed to put that time into yourself, not just physically but mentally and spiritually. So, um, football took a took a back seat.
1: Football wasn't as important anymore because um, because of the effect that um, I had with my family life yep. with, with the football. So, you know, um, I was so dedicated to football, um, through my career that it affected my family life. Yep. So I've learned big lessons since then.
0: So that, um, 80, 87, you sort of, I guess, beginning a new life, but you, you still played here and there with Rorilla that year, uh. Was it was Eddie Mullen, was it, that you, you played yeah, under? Yeah, So was that, I guess, for you at, at some point in time in that season that you thought, well, I'm reconfiguring my life, but um, a bit of a, an outlet was, was football on the Saturday?
1: I just wanted to enjoy the game. Yep. I, I didn't want to give it away completely, yep. but um, I don't think I could have given it away completely um, with my background, but... Um but um yeah, Eddie was coaching Warilla. Eddie's a good friend of mine, always a, has been and a very close friend and um yeah so i played uh, played with Eddie at Warilla that yep. year, just relaxed and enjoyed my football without coaching without having any pressure in regard to that side of things and um consequently, my outlook changed on life from that point onwards. I started to change. so becoming a Christian changes you, changes your outlook, because um, your priorities change and um, so your life changes.
0: So that um, in some ways um, that's probably been, uh, I guess the, the biggest biggest change in your life in that personal growth of that year.
1: Yeah yeah, that changed my life. yeah changed my life completely. And, uh, and, you know, I've been blessed with a, a fantastic life ever since. So, yeah, no regrets. It's been great.
0: You you then, um, in 88... Um... At this point in time in the interview, there were some technical difficulties. So a couple of minutes of the interview were not recorded. I apologise for this issue, but in terms of what was said... John and myself were conversing about him starting the 1988 season as a player with Ferry Meadow Italia under Larry Gaffney. And we rejoined the interview when he moved across to Wollongong, Macedonia as a coach to help them in a state league relegation battle. But uh, was it a a hard um, thought process that you went through midway through that year when Wollongong, Macedonia sort of came... And um, there'd been a cho- coaching change there, and they'd sort of asked you, um, "Can you can you fill the breach yeah. for the rest of the season?"
1: Yeah, I didn't know whether to uh, I didn't know whether to take it on or not, yeah. to be honest. But um, my um, my head was in a better place um, at that time, so I thought I could handle it. Um, they they were down the bottom of the league at the time; yeah. they were down towards the end, and they didn't want to get relegated, so. Um, so they came to see me, and um uh, it was only a short term short term stint, but uh, yeah i I agreed uh, in the end to uh, to try and help them out.
0: did you see in even that space of two years where you spiritually had grown and and personally had changed so much, did you see changes in the way you coached? Yeah, yep, and what were they?
1: yeah yeah, well you're not so hard, you know, you're not so hard. I'd softened up a bit.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, it didn't seem to be too detrimental. Okay. Um, Because the guys that I was coaching knew my background. Yeah. I had a, I think I had a few guys playing with me that I might have played with even, you know. But um, so, uh, yeah, so it was... Uh, it was good it was good it, but it it didn't seem to affect um the results that I could get from from the team, the team. You know? yeah
0: and uh that was uh pretty much the end of your coaching career that um that you'd listed out on the the timeline yeah um you had um a stint there in 1990 um under Adrian Alston Coromal Rangers playing in the Premier League when they came up from the first division from the year before so um, yep yep was that more because you had a personal relationship with Adrian yeah pretty much and he sort of knew of your abilities and I guess at that time you were very much late 30s probably yeah. 40. 40 41
1: I was 40 when I played for Noddy I think I was yeah. 40 yeah how, yeah.
0: Did, how did you uh, find that yeah. year in, in the top it. in the top league and, and enjoyed played it. the whole year
1: enjoyed it yeah yeah just enjoyed it yeah Noddy Noddy was we're still friends with, you know we're still friends and Noddy I think Noddy said come and have a, come and have a game you know yeah. so um, yeah so I think I, I think I trained one night a week there with him and then played on the on the weekend because uh, I had a uh, I think I had my insurance business was uh, my insurance business it was, was on the go then so um, I had I had, uh, I had a uh, had a job to look after so yeah. um yeah, so I but I enjoyed that year uh, with Cornwall. Yeah, I enjoyed it with Noddy getting back uh, together with Noddy, and uh, um, it was good. It was a good year. Yeah, so that was that would have been my last year playing in, yeah. in the Illawarra soccer setup uh, until I uh, until um, I think the following couple of years I uh, I decided to go and play uh, church league down at Kiama. I think I had a couple of years. I had a couple of years after uh, Coralmore Rangers' uh, year. Um, I had friends down down there at uh, Kaiama, and uh, they said, "Come and play, come and play church league." And I did, and it was great. It was, it was fun. It was it was really fun.
0: And yeah. and how was that? Because your whole life while you played, you you had sort of that, um, you know, you're a professional. Um, you always probably approached the game in a meticulous way. Um, that desire to compete to win. Um, how was it really? You know, amateurs and and church league is a is a different animal, a different sport. Yeah. A- a- was there a yeah. readjustment of the mind a little bit there?
1: Yeah, the the, the will users. to win is, the will to win never never goes away. Yeah. You know, so the will to win's always there. I play snooker with my boys now, <laughs> and there's a will to win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we have a great time. <laughs> so, you play church League, <laughs> you want to win. <laughs> I was trying to score goals. I was playing centre-forward. <laughs> I've been promoted. <laughs> so, you know, like, uh, it was uh, it was fun. You know, it was fun. They put number nine on my back, so uh, you know, I had to score some goals had for Had to rise you up know? to the occasion. Yeah, you know, so uh, it was great.
0: Oh, what about... Um you look back at um, your career, um, uh, what are the highlights that, that sort of stick in the memory that sort of go through your mind and your heart and you feel very proud of?
1: Achieving where I got to, achieving where I got to, and um, the England youth thing was probably the biggest, the biggest, I would yep. say. Um, Apart from the Man City contract, but uh, you know that was part of that because it yeah. was the same time. But uh, but uh, the uh, yeah the England uh, the England representative uh, jersey was was the uh, the pinnacle, I suppose. You can't really get too much higher than that, except get into the England senior same team, same. and I wasn't going to do that at Safeway United. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and do you? Um is there a sort of a, a few players that um, throughout your career uh, in England and in the Illawarra that um, you think about when you think, geez, it was great to play with or against them, They sort of stay in the memory?
1: Well, I made some good friends. Yep. You know, I made some good friends, uh, some uh, Macedonian guys that yep. uh, if I catch up with them these days, you know, it's, it's a good time, uh, you know, and... Um, Phil Cook, as I said at Shell Harbour, he's still a good, good, good friend of mine. Uh, Phil, um, Gary Singleton, yep. um, he helped me through my bad times, yep. my bad times um, personally. So and not, uh, just,
0: not just your assistant at Macedonia yeah, coach, as a coach, assistant a friend,
1: as a friend. Yeah, yeah. Eddie Mullins, still a really close friend of mine. Eddie, yep. Eddie was. Um, the best man at my second wedding, yeah. so I got married again um, within within about two years of, uh, of um, the divorce. Um, I think it was October '88. I remarried, um, and Eddie was Eddie was my best man, and we're still very close friends um, uh, right now. So, uh, so that's th- those are the names that uh, that stick out the most, I suppose. Um, as far as uh, that period is concerned, yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and what about um, is there uh, uh, one or two goals in your career that you've scored where you you look back on fondness that you think, geez, that was a, a great strike, or at that point in the game or the season was a was a great goal to score.
1: One of the biggest um, one of the biggest um, kicks I got was. Um, was when we we were at Mansfield and we were going through a bad spell at the beginning of the season and we played um we played i think I mentioned it earlier on in the in the uh interview that uh, we played them at home on the Monday night in a replay i'd scored a goal on the saturday yeah. as a one all draw and um and we'd been playing home games at field mill, and we couldn't score and it was getting pretty serious <laughs> especially in the minds of the players. it was getting pretty serious at the time and the manager <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I'll remember that I remember that goal I scored the first goal that night that I scored um, gave me a, a big buzz that night there was there was a decent crowd in uh, decent for for Mansfield town anyway I think it was five and a half thousand or something like that you know so Something like that in the stadium at the time but um but I remember scoring the goal, and you know you do your lap of honor and i i't don't, i don't think they could catch me you know after after i'd scored that goal because I remember the one of the guys there was a cross coming in from the right hand side, the right wing, and one of my teammates went to the penalty spot to head the ball near he was going towards the near post he headed it he headed it on the on the foot of the near post he missed yeah. the goal, but it it rebounded off the foot of the post back towards the penalty spot and it was bouncing towards me and I hit it on the half volley into the roof of the net and everybody went like bananas, you know. (laughs) Um, In the scheme of things, um, you know, when you look back, it wasn't a critical, you know, critical goal or a critical... um, Stage in my life, as far as uh, that was concerned, but, but to the for now. the club, for the club and the fans, yeah. uh, it was it broke the uh, it broke the ice, you know. Broke. So it was uh, that was a good one. And um,
0: in Australia, any goals that sort of come to mind that cause you, you were capable of scoring scoring goals.
1: There wasn't really any important goals though that yeah. I scored here, you yeah. know, not 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 what you would call important, you know, that sort of didn't win the grand final with an overhead (laughs) scissor kick or anything like that you know but uh, but there was a couple at Man City that I scored I remember scoring at Stoke one night I scored a screamer into the top corner one night at Stoke City that was uh, that still stays in my mind I've got I've got the I think I've got the news newspaper clipping on that one but so there would have been one or two goals over over in the UK that uh, that I might have scored a decent goal uh, diving header at Stockport. I think I scored a diving header there that uh, that got us the win against Exeter one night. I think. Exeter, uh, yeah. So yeah, that that maybe was one of, one of the uh, the fans enjoyed that one because we won the game. I think that night one nil. So.
0: And did you um, uh, changing tack a, a little bit? Did you ever get the opportunity with your ability as a player and as a coach to to coach your your children? Yeah. Yeah. And, and how did you find
1: that? Terrific. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joshua's a professional now. Joshua's a professional player. Um, uh, Michael was pretty good too until he got injured. So both the kids. Michael was a left footer, and uh, he got injured a couple of times, so it put him off a little bit. So he didn't go on with it. But um, Joshua, always had always had the ability, and uh, he he went on with it and. Uh,
0: was there a real joy to that sort of your own blood and, and coaching them and, and teaching oh. them was, was, it's was a dream. pretty
1: proud? It's a dream come true. Because I, um, I had two daughters. I've got yep. two daughters uh, from my first marriage. Yep. So I had two beautiful daughters. And, um, and then we had two boys. You know, so, um, so it, was, it was fantastic being a father Dinner to the two right boys down. as well, as well as the, the girls um, and with one of them sort of taking an interest uh, and being good at it is uh, is is, is what, what a father dreams of I suppose you know it's in that sense
0: and, and you spoke in the interview about yourself um, you know your attitude wasn't where it should have been at times as a professional as a younger man or with your son that is now a professional have you sort of giving him some information without being too, I guess, overbearing, but giving him some of the information that you didn't receive when you were a exactly. younger
1: player? Exactly. 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 That's, that's, that's what you learn with experience, you know? You know, and uh, you, you're, mentoring, you're mentoring somebody, you know, both the boys. You, you hope that...
0: Uh, and do you think that's helped them, having you there That's that's been in that situation before? Well, oh, I hope so. Yet?
1: I hope so. Yeah, um, I hope it, I hope they can answer that. But I hope uh, yeah. I hope that it has uh, helped the boys, and um, you know, and uh, with the girls too. Um, I just uh, I just foster the relationships as best I can, yeah, yeah. even now, you know, with, with all of them. So um, it's uh, it's been that's been one of the joys of life is having four kids yeah, and uh, two of each has been has been incredible incredible.
0: And because um, that sort of uh, personal transformation in that sort of late 80s or 87 there would it be um, and and you don't have to answer this but if you could go back to you know with all that sort of personal growth and experience you've got now if you could go back to that sort of 18, 19 year old professional footballer back in England um, um, what would you say to yourself way back then if you could
1: be humble. Control your tongue. Yep. If I'd have um, if I'd have had that advice, and somebody would have taken an interest in me at that particular time in my life, um, I think things would have been a little bit different yep. as far as my soccer career went. But uh, yeah, staying humble and uh, controlling the uh, controlling the tongue. That's a constant. Uh, challenge for everybody yeah no, most uh, definitely for me but uh i think being humble too is is a challenge Yeah. so i think those two things are gold yep. Yeah.
0: well john uh, i'd like to thank you uh, deep thanks um you know for me um, i've been wanting to talk to you for, for for a long while um i think your journey is fascinating and and some of the stuff that we spoke about today, I didn't know we'd speak about. So it's been even more interesting and um, um, uplifting as well. So um, thank you very much for your time. Um, respect for you to come up uh, come up here to Bowgownie and do this interview. And, and thank you very much.
1: Thanks for the opportunity, Travis. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, mate.
0: Thank you. is here where we finish episode 40. Again, thank you to John for his time and for access to his archives. It was an absolute pleasure. As always, thank you for listening and downloading this podcast. I'm your host, Travis. Goodbye for now.